thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. Let me go ahead and jump on into what we're, what we're going to be going over here because I probably got a lot more than I'm, than I'm going to be able to give today. But, but you know, we're coming off the, uh, a couple weeks ago on uh, Revelations chapter 2, dealing with Jesus is, is speaking to John. He's talking, talking to the church, talking about the things of the church, what, what the church is doing, the things, you know, bringing correction to the church, but also giving praises unto the church, which, we, which we've called the seven letters to the church. Amen. Now remember, these are the seven churches that are in Asia Minor or the western part of Turkey that, that the Lord is dealing with here, specifically in this book of Revelations. Now, like I'll say, like I've said, each time we've gone over this, I would say pay close attention to the things that Jesus is trying to tell us because it's not just, as you see at the backside of these verses, he's always saying, uh, to what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the churches. It's not just to one specific church. It's to the body of Christ. It's to, it's to Island Church here in Dundalk. It's to the churches in Dublin. It's the churches in the States. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's these specific churches. But he is speaking to the church, telling us the things that, that we need to do, uh, that we can progress in and do well, and the things that we need to, to get corrected. Because I'm telling you, church, it's amazing over the last 2,000 years, we're doing the exact same things that Jesus was correcting us on for. I mean, the exact same same things. Like I said, we may be a different people. We may be in a different generation, but we're wearing the same mask. We may have put different lipstick on or different eyeshadow on that mask, but it's the same exact mask and we need to get delivered of those. How, how nice would it be to be one of the first churches? And I say that loosely because I know there's a lot of great churches out there, but how nice would it be to be one of the first churches that doesn't have to catch rebuke from Jesus from, for the exact same things that have been going on for 2,000 years? Church, I'm telling you, this, these are the things we ought to be pursuing. Why? Because it opens up opportunity for us to do the things that God has called us to do. Amen. I'm, I'm assuming... Because I've asked, why aren't we doing this on a, on a Sunday morning? But, but I'm telling you, I assume the why the Lord wanted to do this on a Wednesday is because he wants us to come to a mature crowd. He wants it to come to the people that are pressing into the things of God. He wants, it to, he wants these words, these revelations that he's given to the church to come to people that are, that are pressing in, praying, trying to hear from God, that, that, are, that are trying to do everything they can do to, uh, to please him and, get, uh, and, and to fulfill his will. Amen? I mean, I'm not saying that the, the Sunday night crews aren't like that. I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, the Sunday crews are not like that, but I'm telling you, there's something special about Wednesday night people, about Friday night people, about people that come in not on the main service of the week. Amen. Why? Because God can usually pour out a greater revelation for people that are seeking things. How many of y'all know that? If God can trust us with the little things, amen, he can trust us with, with greater things, but we have to be the people that are, are pushing in. We have to be the people that are that are hunting for the things of God. We have to be the people that are, that are willing to do more than everyone else. Now, listen, I'm not, I'm not saying that from a, a legalistic standpoint. I'm not saying it from a religious standpoint that you got to be in church every time the doors are open. I'm not saying that we have a choice. We can do what we want to do and God's not going to punish us from not going to church. But I'm telling you, if you're not in church, I'm telling you, Satan will punish you for it. Amen. He'll do everything he can to, 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 to destroy your life. If you're not allowing yourselves to be underneath the word and hear what the, what, the, uh, what the Lord's trying to say to us. I mean, it's as simple as that. 
It's as simple as that. It's not legalism. It's not relig religiosity. It's, it's the kingdom. This is the culture of the kingdom of God. Amen. It's the culture. And I'm telling you, I am disgusted with this casual attitude that people have towards church nowadays. I'm, I'm, I'm disgusted at these things. And we wonder why we're not walking in power. We're not changing nations. We're not changing our own city. It's because we have this casual attitude towards everything in the kingdom of God, towards everything, towards Jesus, towards the Holy Ghost, towards showing up to church. And, and there's, there's nothing good that comes, comes out of that stuff. Amen. We will, uh, <laughs> if he's not going to trust you with the, if he can't trust the little church, he's not going to trust us with the, with the big things. Amen. With the, with the, with the, the face and face encounters, the, the pros in, in the Greek, as, as, uh, as the Lord says. I mean, that, that ought to be our desire to get face to face with the living God. But listen, I'm not, I don't blame these things on, on, on the congregation. I don't, I don't blame these things on the, on the body. I blame these things on church leadership. I'd say even myself included, I'll put, I'll put myself in that church. Leadership is the issues or the reason why we're having issues in the church. It's the reason why the church is weak. It's the reason why the church isn't taking ground. It's the reason why the church is shrinking. It's because of the leadership. Amen. Leadership in the church needs to stand up and do what it's called to do. You say, well, why aren't they doing that? Because they're worried about offending people and having them walk it outside the doors. Amen. They'll do everything they do to keep people on the inside. I mean, it's, it's just like, it's just like our, it's, it's just, oh, good Lord. It's just like our children. We won't even, many of them won't, yeah, we're so concerned about people leaving the church. They're, they're concerned about their children and what, and what they're, what they'll do in church. Now we can't, we can't have our children look different. We can't have them be different than anything else. We can't have them set apart. We can't have them look different, act different than anything outside of the church or outside of the world. Why? Because people may look on different. Well, how many of y'all know your children ought to look different? Amen. Your children ought to look different. They ought not to look like the world. They ought to look different when people look at them. Amen. This, this, is, this is simple stuff. We've gotten to this place where we're training up people to where, to where it, we don't want them to look different. I'm telling you, I've had pastors tell me these things. Now, I don't want them to participate in these things because I don't want them to feel different. Than us. Well, you are different. You got the lived God living on the inside of you. You know, we ought to make them like us, not us like them. It's as, it's as simple as that. But we got to get back to that place where we're getting things stoked up, amen? Not, not, worrying, about, not worrying about how different our family looks, not how different, uh, 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 how, how different everything in the church looks, but, but pressing into what God has and, and allow ourselves to actually train up someone. Amen. I mean, we're called to train up our children in the way they should go and they won't depart when they get old. They won't depart from the things of God. Man, we, get, we need to train up people in the church. We need to train up the baby Christians as well to where when they start growing up and graduating in the things of God that they won't depart. They will, they will keep pressing in until Jesus returns and, and takes us all together. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Now listen, there is a there is a study that, it, that, it, that has come out, and this is kind of what, I guess, is what got me off track here. There's a study that I was just reading that says 35% of the church that is opened up right now, back, you know, I don't know if, uh, this, this is a U.S. study, but 35%, but uh, or excuse me, that's not 35, it's, it's 53%, I had that backwards, 53% of the churches that, that are opened up, 53% of their congregations aren't come, haven't come back yet. 53%. Now, that doesn't include the ones that haven't opened. 
You know, but 53% of the church has not come back to a church that has its doors open. Amen. Now, our our percentage wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be that high here, but I'm telling you, that's that that is insane. That that is insane, and that and that is leadership issues. Amen. That is teaching a weak gospel. Amen. That 53% we get out of a habit for not going to church for two or three months. We just walk on out and, and forget, forget the culture that God's called us to be in. I'm telling you, church, we need to have a change in attitude. You want to know the reason why those things are happening? Because they're not led by the Spirit. Amen. The church isn't taught to be led by the Spirit. We're not led by the Spirit. We don't trust the Word. I mean, it's as, it's as, simple, it's as simple as that. I mean, we don't have to have Bible schools in every corner, but we need, we need to be teaching what the Word says, amen? Not all this fluff gospel anymore. But let's get into the Word, what, uh, what, we, what we're coming here to, to, to minister on today. If you remember a couple weeks ago, we were on in uh, Revelation chapter 2, talking about the the church at Ephesus, right? Remember the Lord talked to Ephesus and he was telling them all the great things that they're doing. But he said, but he told them one thing. He said, man, you are doing some great things, but you need to turn back to your works of love. You need to turn back to your works of faith. The things that you're doing that you couldn't stop doing because you wanted to come intimate with me. You know, you're pressing in all those great things you're doing, but, but you're doing it because you wanted to get intimate with me. You need to come back to your, to your first love. You need to come back to your first love. And he, he makes a statement. He says, and if, you don't do these things, if you don't repent, if you don't change the way you're thinking, change your direction and the way you're going, he goes, I'm going to take your lampstand from you. I'm going to take your candlestick away from you. Now, what's he saying? He's not saying, I'm going to take up this building and go toss it in the sea. What he's saying, I'm going to take that lampstand from you. The, the thing that is, that has lifted you up to be like a, a city upon the hill to draw people in, to get saved, to get healed. I'm going to take that grace. I'm going to take that anointing that away from you. And what's going to happen. You're going to end up with a dead church. You're going to end up with a religious church. You're going to end up with probably a church that ends up shutting down. Amen. If you, but he gives us an opportunity. He says, but repent, just change your way. Just, just change your way of thinking. Come back into me. Come back unto me. Amen. And then he, and then he goes off into, in, in verse eight and he's, and begins to talk to the persecuted church. <clears throat> The persecuted church, the, the church at Smyrna. And in verse 8 he says, And the angel of the church of Smyrna, he says, Right, these things that saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I love that. This is one that says the first and the last, or the beginning and the end. That one that was dead, the one that walked here on this earth, he was dead, he died, he got up on that cross, he died for each and every one of you. But I'm telling you, I'm also the one that's alive. I'm the one that's been raised up from the pit of hell to sit at the right hand of the Father. I'm the one that, that comes and walks around, around the lampstands. I'm the one that comes and, and checks out these churches. And what does he say? I'm talking to you, to the angel. I'm talking to you to the angel at the church at Smyrna or the, the bishop or the overseer at the, at the church at Smyrna. Now, now let me just go over that again. Why, why, does, why does the Lord address the, the pastor or the angel, the, the bishop or the overseer? Why does he address that individual over the church? Because he's the one that's accountable. Amen. He's the one that God has put into place and he is the one that is accountable for the direction that that church is going, for the things that are getting, getting preached, the things that are getting taught the direction that the church is going. Now, listen, 
Now, when I say that, I want, I want to give the flip side of that is we know that pastors are not supposed to be dictators, right? We know there's dictatorship, pastors all, all, over, all over the world, but that is not their call. They're not called to be dictators. They're called to be leaders. What, what do we say in this church, in this, in this house? If you're going to be a leader, if you're going to be great, if you're, going to be, if you're going to be a chief in the things of God, you're going to be the greatest servant. You're going to serve more than anyone else in the kingdom of God. That is what God has called us to do. Amen. But in that, he says, you're going to be the response. You're the one responsible. You're the one I'm going to hold accountable for the things that happen in this church. Now, listen, we, at this church, we, we have a board in this church. Every, everyone legally, every ministry has to have a board. I mean, it's a, it's a legal format. We, you know, our board is, and we, we have a great board. I've, you know, we have Paul Drury sitting there. We got Tamara in the back. I got Pastor John Ahern down in, in Dublin. And I got my wife and myself that, that are on this board. Praise God for the board. They do great things. They keep everything going in the, in the legal correct direction. They got, we got mature believers that can help. We can talk over finances. We can talk over different things that the church has done. I mean, these are people that are elected to satisfy what? The legal, the legal law, right? What, what they legally require of us. But there's also elders that God's placed in the church. Not someone that we've ordained or anything like that, but, but elders that God has placed in the church ones that are beginning to walk in that office and ones that are, that, that are growing in those things of the office. And those aren't people that we put in place. Those are people that God's putting in place. You say, well, who might that be? Well, you can look at, at, at Melvin. You can look at John. These are, these are elders in the church. You can, I mean, even Paul Drury, he's a five-fold ministry gift of a teacher that, that comes and, and, and sits in this church as well. We got, we got great people that, that lead, guide, and they can direct and they can help out and they help the direction that this church goes. It's not that it's a dictatorship here. Any one of those three guys can come talk to me at any time. And they all have saying, saying, pastor, what do you, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? You know, I think you missed this over here. What you, you might want to pray about that. And they all help lead the church in the direction that it should go. That is, that is the blessing of the body. Why? Because there's, there's wisdom in, in, uh, in, in counsel and a multitude of counselors. I believe that is there, there can be wisdom in those things. We can pursue those things, but, but I'll tell you as great as elders are as great as, as a board can be. I'm telling you, none of us can be led by those. We aren't led by votes in a church. What are we led by? We're led by the Holy Ghost. Amen. We're led by Jesus, who is the head of the church. We're led by the word. We're led by the things that he desires us to do in the church. Amen. Thank God for confirmations. Thank God for when, when I miss things. Thank God that there's, that there's brothers and sisters that, can, that had the freedom to talk things out. Because I don't know about you, but I've been in churches that you couldn't do that. Amen. But thank God we have people that can do those things. But, but I tell you, I thank God for the Holy Ghost. I thank God for his word, and I thank you for his leadership. Amen. So he says to the church at Smyrna, let me give you a little bit of, let me give you a, let me give you a little bit of history on the church of Smyrna. Now, the church of Smyrna, obviously it was in Asia Minor on that Western side of Turkey. Now it would have been on the Mediterranean coast. And it would have been a beautiful town. Now, if you look at pictures of it, you'd see, you know, hills and small mountains surrounding it. And then, it, and then it, the city kind of flows down into the sea. You know, I, I think uh, much like our, our Carlingford, our little beautiful town right here, it looked, it looked very similar to that, except it was a lot larger than Carlingford. Back in the days of John here, 
There would have been somewhere around 200,000 people in that city at the time. And currently in the town, which, which I think is uh, the name of it, if I'm pronouncing it correct, is Izmir, Turkey. It has about 2 million people in it. It's a, it's a beautiful place, highly populated, and it was highly populated back in these days. Now, it was, a, it was a Greek town or a Greek colony that when Rome took over, they got serious with Rome, right? They, got, they, they were very loyal to the things of Rome. They became staunch, uh, staunch reporters, uh, supporters, and, and even became staunch supporters of the imperial worship or the emperor worship that, that began to take place there. Enough to where even John's, one of John's disciples, his name was Polycarp. He, and he, when he was supposed to be the bishop of Smyrna, yeah, say some of the, the old uh, church historians, right? He would have been the bishop at Smyrna. He got martyred for his belief, amen? He got martyred because they, they asked him to submit himself and begin to worship the emperor and renounce his faith in Jesus. And, I, and let, let, me, let, me, let me tell you, and they, they burned him at the stake for not renouncing Jesus. But, but listen to the statement he made which I, I found from uh, one of our Rhema teachers, uh, Brian McCollum. He, 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 made, he made this statement when he was addressing the Roman proconsul. He said, he said, 86 years I have served him, talking about Jesus. He said, 86, I mean, this, is a, this man had a full life, right? He said, 86 years I've served him. 86 years I've served him, and he's never done me wrong. How can I now blaspheme my king that saved me? That was his answer to, to, you need to renounce Jesus and you need to begin to, 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 to worship or we're, we're, we're going to burn you at the stake. He said, 80, 86 years I've served this man. 86 years I've served my king and he's never done me wrong. How many, t- how many times would you hear that coming out of the mouth of a Western leader nowadays? Huh? Now, I'm not saying Eastern leaders, because we know in India, Asia, you know, many, many parts of the world, you know, there, there's people that are, that are being martyred in this day and age, being, being martyred right now. But how many times did you hear that of a Western leader's mouth? I'm telling you, church, we, we, we have a raisin weak leadership in the kingdom. And we need, we need to get back down to, to, to this and being led by the Spirit, being fully 100% dedicated to the things of God even at the cost of your own life, even at the cost of, of everything you have. I'm, I'm telling you, church, this is the direction we need to get back to. He says, And say unto the angel of the church at Smyrna, write these sayings, say the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. He says, I know your works, your tribulations, your poverty. He says, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of them that say they're Jews and they're not, but are the synagogue of Satan. He says, I know your works. I know your works. He starts off just like he started to the church of Ephesus, right? He goes, I, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you commendation. I'm giving you praises. I'm, I know some of these great things you're doing, except there's one key difference you'll see in Smyrna that you won't see at Ephesus. There is no rebuke coming to them. One of two churches that Jesus addresses with no rebuke. Uh, the one I believe is Philadelphia. You know, two churches that, that doesn't have a rebuke, that only has praises and commendations. Now, it's not... Odd, or it's not coincidence, I would say, that, that this is not nicknamed the persecuted church. I mean, how many of y'all know when you go around to different nations of the world and you minister the gospel and they're not, they're not as, as lavish as many of our Western nations, you know? I'm telling you, it is so easy to get people healed. 
It's so easy to get people delivered. It's so easy to cast out demons. So easy to get people saved. Why? Because they don't, they don't have just this that they can rely on for everything. You know, they, they sit there and they rely on Jesus for everything. I'm telling you, they receive so much easier than, the, than people in the Western world. And that is a tragedy, I'm telling you. He says, I know your works. I know your works. He goes, I know your works of faith. I know, I know you guys are doing great things. You're showing up to church. You're coming to Wednesday nights. You're coming Sunday mornings. You're going to prayer meetings. You're doing, you're doing the things that, that you know to do. You're, you're ministering. You're giving. You're praying for the sick. You're handing out tracts. You're giving into missions. You're doing, you're doing everything you know to do. I can see these works of faith, these works of love. I see them. They're great. They're great. Keep continue doing them. You know, praise God. I see these things. He says, I see your tribulations. I see your tribulations. He's not, now he's not saying, he's not praising the church for the tribulations they're having, amen. That's not, that's not, that's not the God we serve. He's not, he's not oh, oh, I know, I know him, and these are, these are great that you're having all these tribulations. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I've seen your works. I've seen the things you're doing, which is, which is enticing tribulations to come upon you. He says, I know, I know your works. And from the backside of those works, when you're, cause you're pressed into the things of God, you're, you're hammering towards the things of God. And he goes, I see that these tribulations are coming your way. I've seen, I've seen people, I've seen, I've seen you. I've seen, I've seen you getting fired for your job because you stood up for me. I, I see, I see that you lost an account in your sales job because you, because you, you couldn't do anything, but, but talk about me when you came to that place. I see these things. I see, I see the, the issues you had. I see your family walking away from you. I see that your mom and dads aren't talking to you because you're sold out to the things of God. I see your friends. They just turned around and they walked. I see it. He goes, I see it. I see these tribulations coming off of, of the works you have done. Just much like, yeah, much like Paul, you know, much like the tribulations Paul was going through. He says, I see these things that they're happening towards you. He says, I see your poverty. He says, but you are rich. He says, I see your works. I see the tribulations. I know your works, your tribulations, and your poverty, but you are rich. Now, now listen, he is not praising them for poverty. Amen. Poverty is a curse. It's a curse of the law. He's, I'm not, he's, I'm not praising you for poverty, but he's saying, I see, I see your works. All these great things are doing. They're bringing forth tribulations and it's brought forth poverty as well. It's brought forth poverty because of your stance that, that you've taken towards the things of God. I've seen, I've seen literally finances coming out of your pockets because you won't back off. You keep pressing in, you keep hammering things and devil's doing everything he can do to get you distracted. And it's even coming to you, trying to take money away from you. He goes, I see it. I recognize it. I see those things. I see those things. But he says, you may look impoverished. Hmm. Oh, church, this is good. He says, you, you may look impoverished at the moment. He says, but you are rich. You are rich. See, the world may be looking at you and they say, man, you, you know, that's what, that's what you get when you serve God. You say, you may look impoverished at the moment. He says, but I'm telling you, you're rich. Why the word says, for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, for, yeah. <coughs> but, 
<laughs> Good night. But for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, yet for the, he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. So that through his poverty, we might be made rich. He said, you are the rich of God. He says, I see, I see what things look like. He says, but you are the rich of God. Turn, turn over with me there. For, I'm just going to hit that real quick in, in Philippians. In Philippians chapter 4, I think that's verses 12 here. Let me, now let, me, let me start there at, at verse 11. It says, now, or excuse me, not that I speak in respect of want. He goes, for I've learned in whatsoever state I am there and be content. He goes, I know how to be abased and I know, I know how to abound. I know how to be, he goes, I know how to be reduced to nothing and I know how to be humbled. He goes, but I also know how to abound. He goes, but everywhere in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, to abound and then suffer need. He says, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I love how the Amplified says this. He goes, in verse 12, he says, I have learned in any and all circumstances the secret of facing every situation, whether well-fed or going hungry, having a sufficiency or enough to spare without going or being in one. He goes, I learned the secret. I learned the secret. What is that secret? That, that, when, I, that when I don't have enough, when I'm in a base, he goes, I know the secret. I just keep on pressing in. I keep on trusting. I keep on confessing. I keep on giving. I keep on living a life for the things of God. And I know those things are coming back to me. He says, I know what I'm going to do when I'm abounding. I know when I have enough to eat myself and I have enough seed to sow out to other people, I'm going to pour out. I'm going to sow more seed than I ever sowed. Why? Because I, I know that I can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens me. I know I'm not relying on myself. I know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he says, why? Because my God shall supply all of my needs. They see, our God, he just, he does, he's not just going to supply a portion of your needs. Now, you may go through a trial or tribulation, but I'm telling you, God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by, by Christ Jesus. Praise God for that. When we get to the place and we trust in Jesus more and we trust in our finances, when we trust in Jesus and we trust in the word, we trust in the leading of the Holy Ghost more and we trust in anything else, I'm telling you, great things, great things are going to be added unto you. Amen. And Jesus says here, he goes, he goes, listen, I see, I see the poverty. I see it. I see it coming upon you. He goes, but I'm telling you, if you continue, if you keep pressing in, if you keep doing the things that you're doing, he says, my promises are coming. My promises are coming. You are rich. My, my promises, my word will be fulfilled in your life. Amen. Now, now, regarding, uh, regarding prosperity here, as a church, we cannot get entangled and we cannot get bound to natural worldly possessions, or I'd even say to personal preferences. Amen. When dealing with prosperity, amen. We cannot get entangled. We can't get bound to the things that God places in our hands. Like I say, everything has to be like water going through your hands. It needs to be able to come to you and be able to flow right through it. Hit your hand, you gather, gather a little bit of it, but the rest of it goes right through it. You got to be able to tell out to flow in you and through you and everything you do. You know, <clears throat> there is a, uh, 
It always reminds me of a, of a minister. Uh, one, it's actually one of my pastor's friends. It's a missionaries we support out of, out of Galveston. It's uh, Jerry and Jana Lackey. Amen. My pastor met him in Bible college at Lakewood Bible Institute when, when he did Bible college there. And, and I think they were a year ahead of him, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, under, under John Osteen's church when he had the Bible school going. Now, these two uh, were two different type of people. I mean, they met in Bible school. One, she, uh, uh, Jan, she knew she knew she was saved as a young person. She knew she was called to Africa since, since she was a little child. She daydreamed about it, had visions about it. She knew when I get out of Bible school, I'm going to Africa, and that's where I'm going to live the rest of my life. Amen. And she met this guy, Jerry. And Jerry was, was uh, my pastor would say, he was a kind of a, a Houston playboy. Amen. He drove around a Porsche, had a great job, had a nice, had a nice house, everything going for him, got saved, you know, went to Bible school, wanted to, wanted to learn a little bit more about the things of God, wanted to do some ministry stuff, wanted to serve God, but, but wanted to stay local. Amen. And they, they started, they met and they started chatting with one another and, and, uh, and, you know, found out they liked each other a lot. So what's the, what, what do, what do Christians? do we talk about what's, what's the call in our life amen and, and she goes I tell you what as soon as I get out of here the first thing I'm doing I'm going to Africa I'm going to Africa that's that's what I'm doing what are you going to do there I don't know I'm going to Africa you know and we're and then we're going to have I'm going to have an amazing ministry over there and she goes what do you goes I ain't going to Africa you know, ain't no way I'm going to go to Africa. You know, I got a great job here. I got a Porsche here. There ain't, there ain't nothing we can do there. Well, she's like, well, I'm not going to marry anyone that doesn't have a call to Africa. I'm going to tell you that right now. You know, and they're like, oh, he's like, well, I'll tell you right now, I'm not going. Have you ever thought about, you know, just setting up and doing a church or doing something here in, in, in Houston? I mean, I mean, we got, you know, God provide for us. It'll be great here. You know, and she's like, no, no, this is my call. And he was like, oh, well. So, of course, they, they kind of split their ways a little bit. I think he, they said it was like two weeks, and, and they were, you know, he was uh, heard, heard something ministered from the pulpit and, and went into the bathroom of all places and, and began to pray in the bathroom because it was the only place he'd get quiet. Amen. Pray in the bathroom. He was in there for about an hour and a half, and the presence of God dropped in that, uh, dropped in that place. And he came out of there. I'm telling you, he went and told her, he went and found, found this Jan. He said, the only thing that he can see his little black faces. That's the only thing I can see. I, I don't know. I never wanted to go to, I never wanted to leave Texas. He goes, but, but I can't, God dropped something on the inside of me when I was praying about you and he dropped something on the inside of me. And I, 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 ha, I have to go to Africa. I have to, with or without you, I'm going to Africa. Amen. Completely got changed. What happened? They end up getting married. They've been missionaries over there, I think for 30 years now. Powerful, powerful couple. I mean, but, but it's amazing, but they didn't allow their personal preferences to get in the way. Amen. They didn't allow you know, the play. I mean, they didn't allow their personal preferences to get in the way. I'm telling you, your personal preferences and your prosperity can stop you from fulfilling the will of God for your life. If you allow them to pull more importance in your life than what God is asking you to do. Because I'm telling you, God is not nearly as interested in your creature comforts. He's not nearly as interested in, in your preferences in ministry or what you think you need to be doing. Your preferences in jobs. He's not nearly as interested in these things as he, as he is in you fulfilling the will of God in your life. I mean, you say, yeah, he wants you to have a nice car. Yeah, he wants you to have a house. Yes, he wants you to be blessed. But he's not nearly as concerned with those things as he are you 
pressing in and doing what he has called you to do. Amen. I'm telling you, Marf, we, we, we left a, a business that was a prospering business, a big money-making business. Amen. We were already in ministry. Amen. But when God said, I want you to leave that and go over here, and we can allow that preference of what lifestyle we wanted to live to dictate what God was calling us to do. You had to drop those things. Drop it. Drop it like it's hot, as they say. Just let go of it. Amen. And do and do what God has called you to do. Amen. Why? Because I'm telling you, he's still providing for us. We don't, we don't miss anything. You know, the Lord himself says, you know, what, whatsoever things you give up for me in the gospel, you give up houses, you give up, you give up lands, you give up family, all these things you give up for me in the gospel. He says, I'll give you a hundredfold return in this life. Amen. Not in the next life. Thank God we'll have it in the heavens. He says, if you, if you give these things up for me in the gospel, I'll return them to you now. Amen. And I'm telling you, he's faithful. I'm telling you, God is faithful. You know, Psalms 37, 25, one, you know, another one of my favorite, uh, favorite verses of mine, David. You know, it's King David speaking these things. He goes, he goes I know I've been young and, I, and I've been old. He said, man, I've been young. I've been a little boy out, out in the fields where my, my parents didn't, weren't, weren't minding me. They didn't care anything about me. They, I was sitting out there with the sheep all day long, learning from the sheep, talking with God. I, I've been there. I was provided for. I was protected when I was out in these fields because I've been, you know, I've been an old man. I've been a king. I've had money that, that, that you know, even to, to where his son would have said, Solomon, that it was like, it was like you know, silver was like rocks in the, on the streets. He goes, I've been wealthy. I've had everything that I, that I could ever desire to have, you know. And he says, but there's one thing I'll tell you that I haven't seen. He goes, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen the ones that have a right relationship with our God. He goes, I've never seen not one of them forsaken. And he goes, I've never seen their children I've never seen their seed begging for food. I've never seen their, their, their children, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren. I've never seen not one of them begging for food. They've never been forsaken. I'm telling you, God will supply for you. He will provide for you. The provision's already there. We've got to get pressed into that place to receive everything that he has for us. Amen? Well, I'll try to finish up with this here. He says... Uh, but you are rich. He goes, I know the blasphemy of them that say they're Jews, and that they're not. They are of the synagogue of Satan. You know, you know he's talking about the, profess- uh, 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 the Jews that are professing to be Jews here. You know, really he's talking about the, the, like the Judaizers, the people that are trying to bring people back into to legalism and bring them back into, into, uh, in, into something outside of, of Christianity. And, and he's saying that they are of the, he said they are of the synagogue of Satan. Amen. Now, I think this, this statement here can probably bring a more clarification here in the church in 2020 when we, when we think about just normal Christians, not necessarily the ones that say they're Jews or not, but just, just talking about Christians. Amen. Now, what you say, what do I mean by that? About Christians that say they're Christians and they're not Christians. Amen. There's, there's loads of them. There's, it may not be as prevalent here in this nation, but I'm telling you, they are prevalent, you know, in the States. They're prevalent. Well, I was one of them. Yeah, man, I was one of those that, that thought just because I knew a few verses. I mean, I, 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 I got transferred my, my 11th 
or my uh, over here, my 11th and 12th year in, in the States had been fifth and sixth. You know, over here, I got transferred to, to a Christian school and even took Bible classes. Amen. I knew, I knew things about the Bible and I wasn't even saved, but because I had a knowledge of things, I, I believed I was. And, and you know, what I do, I'd always try, I'd do like anyone else, try to lead people astray into, into, into the things that they're doing, not because I hated God, but because I didn't serve him. He, he, he wasn't mine. Amen. So I didn't have any, any idea for what, uh, for what the things, uh, what we ought to be doing. Amen. But it amazes me the amount of Christians we actually have nowadays or, or so-called Christians, people that say they're Christians, but they are going out trying to destroy Holy Ghost churches. Amen. I'm talking, I'm talking there's leaderships doing these things. They're trying to destroy a Holy Ghost church, people that move in the gifts of the Spirit, you know, word, word churches, faith churches, things that, that are preaching directly out of the Word of God, as, as I would say in this church, a full gospel church. Amen. That don't, that don't leave anything out of the gospels. They preach the full gospels. They go around trying to destroy them. I'm telling you, there, there's a movie out, out, out about it right now, about, about uh, the things that we preach and some of the things that we do that, I mean, we don't go to the excesses and some of the things that they're talking about, but, but they were trying to destroy people, destroy, destroy the, the full gospel word of God. I'm telling you, church, these, these people need to be avoided. Yeah, see, most of them, most of them, and, and, I, and I've had this even here, most people get mad, would get mad at me for the things that, that would get preached out of here, amen? I'm telling you, it don't, you're not getting mad at me. I, I, that's, like, that's like a secret I think most people don't, don't understand. They think they're getting mad at the pastor because, oh, all he does is talk about faith. That's not of God. All he does is talk about healing. That's not of God. I'm telling you, you're not, you're not really getting mad at me. You're actually getting mad at God because these are the things that God is saying. You're just using me because I'm the one standing here telling you what God is saying. Amen. But you're not mad at me. You're mad at God and the way he chooses to do things. Amen. Don't reject God. Don't reject the way God's doing things. Get pressed in to what God's doing. He'll give some revelation on these things. But, but just like the Christians, we have many Judaizers uh, nowadays. Amen. I would... Uh, I'll, I'll let that one slide. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. There's a... There's three different, I'll make this statement and I'll close. There's three different facets that we need to pay attention to when it comes to the church, when there are, when there are antichrist spirits that are, that are coming to try to shut down the church and try to destroy the church. Amen. And they're simple. I probably, I probably mentioned this several times since we've been talking about this, but, but these are simple, but we got to understand them and know them as a church. Cause I'm telling you, it's, if anything comes to intimidate you, Amen. It's not from God. You say, what is that? Anything that tries to intimidate, tries to force its will upon you, tries to use harsh words to, to direct you into what to do. Anything that intimidates you is not from God. That's antichrist spirit. Any, anything that manipulates, amen, that manipulates you by manipulating the word is an antichrist spirit that you need to push back on. And anything that tries to control you, amen. Why? Because any, anything that intimidates and manipulates, it does it for one reason, and it is to control you. It is to get you not just to, to, to do what they want to do, but it gets you to where you won't be intimate with him. Amen. It's trying to get you distracted, get you off course to where you can't find the will of God for your life. You can't find the, the calling of God on your life. It is, it is what we call witchcraft. Amen. It is what we call witchcraft. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, 
I'm going to take five more minutes of your time while I'm here because this will be a good place to stop if I stop here. Listen, he goes, uh, he goes there are of the, the synagogue of Satan. And now verse 10, it says, fear none of these things, which you shall suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you in prison that you may be tried, that you shall have tribulations 10 days. Be you faithful unto death. And he goes, and I will give you the crown of life. I love that. Jesus says, don't fear these things. You don't need to fear witchcraft. You don't, you don't need to fear those things. You don't need to fear tribulations coming towards you. You don't need to fear the curse of poverty. You don't need to fear the curse of sickness or disease. You don't need to fear people trying to destroy you. You don't need to fear people, you know, trying to destroy your ministry. You don't need to fear people trying to destroy your church. He goes, you don't need to fear these things. Just keep pressing in. Just keep pressing in. He says, I will give you the crown of life. And, and, uh, in John uh, 4, 4, uh, 1 John 4, 4, he says, you little children have overcome them. You've overcome these things. He goes, but because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. How many you know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? See, many times, many times, guys, we see trials in our life or we see trials in our neighbor's life. Amen. And we want to, we want to, we want to say God's not in that because of the trial they're going through. Amen? We, we judge a situation, we judge a circumstance by, by, what, by the trial they're going on in their life. It says, like, man, they sure missed it. They tried to get out there and start that ministry, and they failed. They tried to start a church, they failed. They tried to start a business, they failed. And what do we do? Aha, uh-huh. man. If they, if they would just get more, more pressed in like me, if they could just hear from the Holy Ghost like I hear, they, they never would have done that. I can't believe they miss God. I can't believe they miss God. I'm telling you, this is, this is the many times, not every single time, but most times when these things take place, when the adversary is coming against you, it's if you will sit there and be patient in these things, it is God setting you forth to bring victory in your life. Amen. Because I'm telling you, the adversary is going to come. He's going to try to come and bring destruction in your life. But if you will keep pressing in, Jesus, the Holy Ghost, the Father himself will bring victory in your life. I mean, this, this is the exact thing that happened with Paul and Silas. It's that exact same that happened with Paul and Silas. I mean, what, did they, what were they doing when they were, when they were you know, Paul was, Paul was uh, you know, off being led by the Spirit. They just, got, they just got ordained and sent out as missionaries. And they were going to all these different cities. You know, the Holy Ghost said, no, you can't preach there. You go to this next city. No, you can't preach there. Well, let me go over here. No, you can't preach there. No, you can't preach there. So what happened? He said, you know, he went down and he had a vision. He said, there is a man from Macedonia. Con said, why don't you come over here? So what did they do? They picked up and they left. As simple as that. They picked up and they left. And what did they go? They went over there and they ministered to a woman named Lydia. And got her family saved. And then, and then what? He said, well, we're not supposed to. It was a man that was talking to me. So I'm going to go walk around town. I'm going to go walk around through the marketplace. He walks around some lady with a demon. That after three days of, of sitting there, you know, promoting his ministry, the Holy Ghost told him that, 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 uh, that, there, that there is a demon. And that woman, he casts that lady out. He ends up in prison. What does most of the church do nowadays? If that was us. Man, you missed it. Good Lord. Silas looked over at Paul. Man, you, you idiot. You know, why, why, why did we come over here? Look at my back. 
You see all these stripes that are on my back? I'm in a prison that reeks right now. There's sewage flowing underneath the prison. It's, this thing's going to get infected. He goes, this is, this is ridiculous. You miss God, man. You had to miss God. Look at the situation we're in. We missed it. We missed it. And, and Paul would have been like, yeah, I missed it. Now, I can, you know, because if God was in it, everything would have looked perfect. Everything would have looked perfect. That's not what they did, was it? Now, so they begin to pray. Praying, praying, praying in the spirit, praying with a known tongue. Start praising, singing praises. And what happened? The prison began to shake. Began to shake and the doors flew open. Their, their chains fell off. And right before the soldier was about to commit suicide, he said, hey, guys, we haven't left. We're still in here. We're still in here. Ended up getting him saved and his whole family saved. It's powerful, but they didn't look at the situation. They didn't look at the circumstances that are around them. What did they do? They trusted more in what, what the word said. They trusted more in the leading of the Holy Ghost than they trusted in any circumstance. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'll tell you, Melvin, I'll tell you, many people look at circumstances in your life and I'm telling you, people say, man, you failed, you missed it, you backed off, you did something wrong and that's why these things happen to you. I'm telling you, if you'll just be patient, if you'll sit in and press into the things of God, I'm telling you, God's going to set you up for victory. It may not look exactly what you're thinking it's going to look like, but God will set you up in victory. He's not going to allow Satan to take things from you that he is not going to, to promote or, or, or make greater in your life. He's setting you up to be victorious, but you're going to have to press in. You're going to have to look at the word. You're going to have to study the word and you're going to have to yield to the Holy Ghost and stop paying attention to the circumstances. Stop paying attention to why this may not have worked or this may not have worked, but press into the things of God. And I'm telling you, they're already there. They're already there. It's, it's, it's wait. It's, it, he's just waiting on us. He's just waiting on us. Amen. Because these things are already prepared. These, there, these aren't no punishments. There is no God's not punishment. There is no punishment there from God. Amen. I'm telling you, if we can keep, if we will get the devil's head underneath our foot where it belongs, I'm telling you, all those blessings will begin to flow back again. Like I said, it may not be, it may not be what we're thinking. It may be, it may not be what you exactly think. But I'm telling you, goodness of God will be manifest and it will be a victory for everyone that's looking upon these things. Amen. If we will just press into those things. Amen. Amen, because we all miss it. We all miss it. I tell you what, you know, you know, 35% of all churches that get planted, that's where my 35% came from. 35% of all churches fail that get planted within the first two to four years. You know that? 35%, one out of every three that get planted fail. Why is that? Because they pay attention to the circumstances. They look at the circumstances. On, you know, oh, oh, I don't know if this is the right city. Oh man, these offerings—they're just—they're just—there's just not enough offerings coming in. Oh, 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 I don't—I don't, I don't know about this. There's not enough people coming to the church. You know, oh, then what do we do? We go talk to everyone around us. What do you think about this? What do you think about this? What do you think about this? You know what they're going to say? You missed it. You missed it. 
I'm telling you, when we step out to do anything from God, you better know, and I'm telling you, you got to know on the inside of you that, that, the lead, that you have a leading from the Holy Ghost to do what he's calling you to do. Otherwise, you're going to get your eyes on circumstances. You get your eyes on circumstances, church. I'm telling you, it may look like a failure, but I'm telling you, God's trying to set you up. If I, if I was looking, if I was looking at what, if this place looks successful from where I come from, I'd say this place is a failure. Look Look at the amount of money that comes in the offerings. Look at the amount of people that comes. Lord, you want us, you know, a 50-person church? I thought, you know, I mean, in, in Texas, we could, we could have had a, a lot larger church, a lot more money coming in. But see, that's not what makes it successful. I mean, being obedient to the will of God and knowing where he has placed you and what you're doing, that's what makes you successful. Amen? And I'm telling you, you know, 50 people, 60 people in this church, that ain't, that ain't staying here forever. Amen. Why? Because we, because we are not going anywhere. Amen. This church isn't going anywhere. We're going to continue pressing in and seeking out the things of God. And it will change this town. Um, I promise you. Amen. But what? We can't look at the circumstances. Amen. We need to press in to the things of God. Let me get moving on here because I'll keep you all night because that's a topic I like to talk about. Amen. But yeah, better. All right. Well, Father. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you. I thank you for your encouragement. Lord, I thank you that, uh, that you've given us the wherewithal. You've given us the boldness to press into the things of God, Lord. You, you've made us not to be quitters, Lord. The only time we are quitters is when we give up. Lord, so Father, I thank you, Lord, that you resurrect you know, a boldness on the inside of us to do each and everything that you've called us to do, Lord, that we will not, that we will not fold up, will not back off, Lord, that we will, that we will know that we know that we know because we are a people of intimacy with you, that we walk hand in hand with you. Just like Adam man walked in the cool of the day with you, Lord, but we get to walk with you each and every day, each and every minute, because we got the spirit of the living God leading us, guiding us, and directing us in everything we do, Lord. We praise you for it, Lord. We thank you for it. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for, for a great rest of our week. Lord, we thank you that your blessings are upon us. Lord, your protection is upon us. Lord, we, we stand on Psalms 91 thanking you, Lord, that no sickness and disease comes to our homes. We thank you, and we rebuke the spirit of poverty. We say you have no business coming near us. We thank you for it, Lord. We thank you that we are the blessed of God. We're, we're more than conquerors. We are overcomers, Lord, because we are your children. We thank you for it, Lord. We glorify you, Lord, and we praise you for it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.